it's lots of fun. The Money Show. Shapeshifters. Shapeshifter brought to you by Lula Land. It's fast, easy. Lula to get up to 5 million rand in business funding in 24 hours. Apply online at lulalend.co.za. Our shapeshifter this evening is in the restaurant trade. Uh, the co founder of Doppio Zero, Paul Christie, with us this evening. Uh, and, Paul, how long have you been serving plates of food to people? Um, but I think predominantly in Gauteng. Hi, Bruce. Hi to the listeners. Bruce, I've, I've been serving plates of food probably since 1991. Sure. So what does it make it? Almost 30 years. Um, um, and in uh, Doppia Zero, we've been serving food for the last 20 years. It's our 20th birthday this year. Okay. Well, happy birthday. Congratulations. Um, you you. Uh, hooked up with your business partner, Mickey. Milonovic, I think it's pronounced, um, in, in Greenside Milovanovic, in Jahan- yes. um, Milovanovic, there we go. Um, uh, in, in, in Greenside, you start out what uh, typically as one does in a small business, as a small business. What were those early days like? Yeah, they were tough. Uh, um, Bruce, we had a, a couple of uh, restaurants, coffee shops um, before that. And um, so, we, you know, we got to know each other. And um, when we started the business, Mickey was... Uh, he was stuck in Botswana trying to get a visa to come back in. Um, you know, he's, he's uh, Serbian. Well, he's South African now. And um, so I was, I was stuck opening the restaurant. And, um, you know, then when Mickey came back, it was, it was crazy. I mean, we were, we were just serving cues at people. And, it, you know, it was an exciting time. Um, you know, the, it's 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 lovely to open up a business when when it works from day one, um, and we've opened many that that haven't. What was it? What did you learn in the early stages that stood you in good stead for the Doppio Zero experience? What was different by the time you got uh, to Doppio Zero? Yeah, I think the experience of of uh, dealing with dealing with uh, staff. I think that was a, a big one, um, and just uh, you know we had a, a you know we had a culture of, of innovating. You know we weren't bound to any any rules. Um, if something didn't work, we would 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 just ta- change tack, try something different. Um, so I think that was a big part of the success. We were trying things all the time. Um, you know we we were lucky to have a lot of PR, good good PR in the beginning. Um, so that that catapulted our business. Um, tenfold, um, so that that really that really really helped, and we were lucky to have somebody that that was that had our back with finance. You know, if we needed to to buy a piece of equipment, um, you know, we had a, a private private guy that was helping us out. And, who's um, the private guy? Who's the money bags? Who 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 backed you? Who was who was the person? It was a it was a, it was a guy in in, in Kronstadt. It was a private individual. Um, from Kronstadt, passed away. Yeah, um, oh my and then you know, he ended up. You know, he was he was ended up being a friend, um, and uh, sadly passed away coming to visit us one day. Um, <sighs> and and he helped us for the probably the good part of fifteen years of our business with the banks, how, of course. How do you find a guy from Kronstadt? Because everybody wants the guy from Kronstadt. Um, he's far enough away not to interfere. Um, he's the money. And clearly somebody who you respected very, very deeply and who became more than just the money bags behind the business. But how do you connect with somebody 
like that? Where did you find? Where did you find each other? I think Mickey found him when he opened up a small bakery in in um, in Cresta, and uh, he found him through one of his suppliers. The supplier said, "No, don't worry, I've got somebody that'll buy my equipment and 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 finance you." And obviously, it was exorbitant rates. Um, but you know, over the years, um, the rates came down to fairly reasonable. I'm still fairly exorbitant, but but you know, beggars can't be choosers, and uh, we just had to we had to just manage our risk. I mean, here's, yeah, and it's, it's such an important point that you make there, uh, in, uh, Paul, because so many people are complain about the fact that there's no capital to start businesses, and so they don't. They they complain that they've got a great idea. They just, you know, everybody just wants to rip them off and charge them. I mean, the, the price of capital is the price of capital. The price it's determined by the risk that the person lending you the money um, determines the, your risk profile to be not what you think your promise is, um, and you either accept their terms or you don't. It's brutal, but them's the rules, isn't it? But you know it, what makes a big difference is is how you approach it. I mean, we still with with we still rely on banks to fund us, um, and relationships are everything. You know, if I go to a bank from scratch, I'm I'm Joe Soap. Doesn't matter what, who who I think I am, unless I've got a massive balance sheet. Yeah. Um, you know, banks lend you money when you don't need money, but uh, when you've got relationships, your bank manager fights for you. Um, you know, you. I was lucky to have the opportunity to go to university so I could put a presentation together, a proposal together, um, hopefully convincing. So, you know, it's, finance is oxygen to most people. You know, I was lucky. My dad helped me a little bit on my first business. And, you know, I got had a good relationship with the bank manager. She stuck out her neck out for us. So I think the, to, you know, my advice to young guys starting out, is just build those relationships, you know, get a small loan, look after it, and uh, then it's easier to get the next one. Yeah. Well, easier. Not easy, but easier. Yeah, easy. <laughs> easier. <laughs> um, you mentioned in the, in the beginning when you started at the first site in, in Greenside that you got good PR. Did you go out, did you hire a PR agency? Did you hire somebody to do your PR for you? Or was there just really good word of mouth based on the experience of what you were offering? Absolutely. It was just word of mouth. We never spent a cent on marketing. We had a, I don't know if you remember Victor Struga. He was a, Yes, Victor he Struga. A, he once wrote uh, nice yeah, things he, about he, me. He wasn't very picky. <laughs> well, he was, he was, he was, he wrote us a decent review. And the next day we went up 20%. And then we were on our top billing. We had two top billing stints, which, which was absolutely incredible. Um, and, you know, it, PR is easy when you knew. Um, but as you start, you know, as the life cycle of the business, we opened more stores, the life cycle changed, um, you know, you're not the new kid on the block. Um, it's like aging, you know, when you're young and sexy, it's easy to, you know, <laughs> easy to hustle. And you get older, you've got to rely on your wits and, uh, and your other things to get what you want. <laughs> No, absolutely. Victor Struger was immensely influential. He had a broadcasting column and he had a a, a restaurant column, and he was he, he had a a, a lovely uh, way about him. Um, never met him, but he once wrote a nice review. I appreciated oh, that one as well. Fantastic. Paul Paul Christie is the co-founder at Doppio Zero. We'll find out more about the expansion of Doppio Zero. We've got the background, we've got the startup, we've got the guy from Kronstadt. We've made good progress so far this evening. More with Paul Christie in a moment. John Perlman. 
Weekday afternoons, 3 to 6. You make the point that this is due to state capture. You talk about an attempted intervention in 2016. The facts on the table are that South Africa has had a new president since February 2018. Surely the consequences of state capture in the very specific ways that you're describing are things that could and should have been dealt with by now. It's a question of, let's take that corruption. How many people were charged? How many have been convicted? Our criminal justice system can actually do what it says it's going to. The Money Show. Shapeshifters. Paul Christie, co-founder of Dopio Zero. How many have you got uh, in the network now, Paul? Good evening. Hi, Bruce. Uh, Bruce, we've got uh, 20 Dopio Zeros, uh, but we've got 36 uh, um, restaurants in total with other brands and... um, yeah, so um, you know, Doppler Zero is obviously what was our original, so it's the bigger, the bigger chunk of the thirty-six, um, and then we sort we own half of them. Uh, we own sixteen, and um, of of the total thirty-six, and the rest are franchise. And what are the other brands within the stable? Uh, we have uh, Pizza Vino, so okay, it's a Pizzeria, yeah. Uh, we just opened an um, Indian restaurant called uh, uh, Modern Tailors in Rosebank. Um, we invested in a brand called Fresh Earth, which was uh, uh, um, plant-based. Um, Lovely. It's been around for a while. Um, and Matthew and Malcolm um, have been running it, and we, we sort of thought that space was, was, was the place to be. You know, it's, it's where we all want to eat for our, for our health. And um, so we just recently, post-COVID, invested there. We've got two stores there. Um, and we've got two central kitchens, one gluten-free and, and one, one bakery. It's an astonishing growth path, isn't it? I mean, the, uh, the the story over, and it takes, you know, an overnight success or taking you, what, 30 years to develop. Uh, are, are you still in, in an expansionary frame of mind? I mean, what's the long-term goal then for the group, um, which has got Doppio Zero at its heart? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, the, the, the group, I mean, Pablo would always say, I mean, you're in business to eventually sell one day. Yeah. Um, the the challenge with the restaurant in- industry is if you're not growing, um, you, you're going backwards. Um, you know, you'll have a my dad had a restaurant, um, and you know you see guys that have had restaurants their whole lives, and they and they successful, and their kids go to university. Um, <clears throat> but you, unless you own the property, you tie to a lease. You know, your lease will expire, or your landlord will look for for being a pastures. And um, so we've. We want to build brands. Um, I mean, we're opening four four restaurants this year, um, and uh, hopefully another two early next year. So we we are we are growing. Um, you know, we need to get a, a national a proper national footprint. We've only got a got a store in Cape Town, one in Schlanger, um, but you know, we 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 see the opportunity to grow. Um, we're opening Gaborone. Okay, um, you're going global. Um, That's what you're have, doing. Yeah. Yeah, we had we were global. We had four restaurants in, in Egypt, um, oh, Cairo, right. Chile, Alexandria, uh, franchised, uh, but they they didn't make COVID. Um, you know the the landlords they were brutal, and so that didn't uh, that didn't materialise. Are you, you know, once bitten twice shy, once bitten twice shy, or do you go into new markets again like that, or do you dare do it again? 
Yeah, I think we had a we were lucky to have a good franchise partner. We will definitely do it again. But the, the business is definitely about about people. Um, yeah. Especially in our experiential brands, you know, we're in the speciality dining sector um, and casual dining sector, um, and we also recognise that that sector is took a lot of strain pre-COVID. Um, we've got big restaurants, big rentals. Um, you know, the, the 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 model, the financial model of big restaurants is being challenged. I mean, you heard Grace uh, um, Harding, um, you know, saying. Like landlords need to come to the party. Yeah, um, salaries are going up. Um, so you know we we challenge to to look at our model, reinvent ourselves. Um, you know we as a, as a, just as a company we employ almost a thousand people. We're sure. back to where we were before. Um, as a group, we, we employ almost two hundred uh, two thousand people. So it's it's good that we employ, um, but it's it's not easy to employ like we used to. We can't have restaurants with 100 people anymore. We've got to be more efficient. Um, and that's it's really hard. It's a, it's a high-touch industry. It's a service industry. Um, how do you hold on to people in your industry? Because, I mean, finding talent is one thing. Um, getting people on shifts, and particularly late at night, and uh, you know, the breakfast trade and all that sort of stuff, I think is fairly hard. And I wonder how you manage to get your teams going. Yeah, that's that's our biggest challenge. Um, so you know, we've we've we're in a position now where we um, where we 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 don't know what's going to happen with our foreigners. You know, we have a fairly large percentage of of foreigners, um, and they struggling to get visas yeah um, explain to me please i mean paul i mean you, you raise an interesting point then we've seen the showboating the political showboating nonsense um that has played out in the last six months or so um with four ways restaurants and eff arriving and demanding to see people's um b- 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 private information um which is problematic at the best of times but why is it that the restaurant trade in your view does tend to employ a higher proportion perhaps than other industries of people from neighboring countries I think if you know if you look at worldwide, you know if you go to Australia, um, they employ foreigners. Um, they, uh, if you go uh, in most places, you'll find guys from Asia, um, from Africa. So why is it? Because they they're hungry. They don't mind working the long hours and the weekends. I think um, it's. And we've lost Not- him. No, there Sorry. you are. There we go. Sorry, Sorry. we lost. We lost you. We lost you for a second there, Paul. Um, yeah, and it is that. It's that willingness to go the extra mile, and then of course restaurants get accused of abusing workers, and you don't employ South Africans because you make it too hard. Well, the restaurant trade, my recollection from my youth, um, is a hell of a tough industry. Um, you know, it's also a wonderful industry in which to get a job and to to learn the the the, the discipline of going to work and getting on time and earning some money. Yeah, listen. Before it was, it was, it was a vasty job. Now it's a, a, a vacation. I mean, Present, a lot of people yeah. that work for us, they'll be working. Over, we've got a, a few people. We, we just had our twentieth, and we celebrated our. Uh, we've got some guys that have been with us for twenty years, for fifteen years, for twelve, for ten, um, and we just, you know, we we celebrated them because they yeah. they they've brought up their families. They've been able to, um, you know, to live. It's not a. Traditionally, it's not the best-paid industry. Um, 
you know, to change that, it's got to be an industry shift. Um, we, you know, we restaurants can't double salaries without uh, higher margins. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. We have um, to leave it there. But Paul Christie, thank you. Co-founder Doppio Zero.